North Korea's supreme leader, beaming as he looks skyward. Kim Jong-un visiting a plant that manufactures warplanes in the city Komsomolsk-on-Amur in Russia's far east. Kim got the red carpet treatment after arriving on his armored train. He climbed up for a look at the cockpit of a Russian fighter jet and was briefed by the pilot. This comes after Kim met with Russian President Vladimir Putin for several hours at a Russian cosmodrome on Wednesday, stoking concerns that Kim's regime is supplying Putin with weapons for the war in Ukraine. The Kremlin denies that, and Putin's spokesman says, quote, no agreements were signed during the Putin-Kim meeting. Do you buy that? I don't buy that at all. This is Kremlin speak. They say that to calm people's concerns. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are concerned about this, this visit, this meeting. In fact, an official from South Korea's presidential office says weapons provided by North Korea have already been used by Russia on the battlefield in Ukraine. And the Biden administration believes North Korea delivered rockets and missiles last year for use in Ukraine by Wagner mercenary forces. Talks about the provision of weapons by North Korea to Russia to kill Ukrainians have been advancing and continue to advance. What would both Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin get from any deal? Russia, uh, on the one hand, needs, uh, quite desperately, needs uh, sources of ammunition uh, and in some cases artillery systems themselves. North Korea, analysts say, is looking to get advanced Russian technology for its weapons and possibly the kind of modern fighter jets that Kim just inspected. But it's not just weapons that these dictators need. North Korea uh, needs food. It always needs food. In addition, and I think this is worth watching, uh, Russia needs labor. Russia is currently facing the most severe labor shortages since records began. And North Korea has been known to send laborers to Russia in the past. Analysts say this rekindled friendship between Putin and Kim, while evoking fears of Cold War-style partnerships of the past, also signals a reduction in stature for the former KGB colonel in the Kremlin. It wasn't that long ago that Vladimir Putin was attending summits with G20 leaders and doing photo ops with American, German and Australian leaders. Now he's seen with outcast heads of state, like Kim and Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko. He's no longer in the A-list, as they say in Hollywood. He's on the B-list. And the movies, of course, become more predictable and more boring, but are still dangerous. Two analysts we spoke to say what they're even more worried about than North Korea supplying weapons and ammunition to Russia is the possibility that that kind of a deal could open the door for China to start sending weapons to Russia secretly through North Korea. Wolf? All right, Brian, thank you. Brian Todd reporting. For more on this, uh, I'm joined now by Sidney Seiler. He's a former national intelligence officer for North Korea over at the U.S. National Intelligence Council. Sidney, thanks so much for joining us. The U.S. has warned Russia and North Korea uh, about pursuing an arms deal. So how does the U.S. intelligence community monitor what Putin and Kim will actually get out of their very high stakes and very dramatic meetings? Uh, well, thank, again, thank you for the invitation. Well, as you've seen, the uh, information that the, uh, we've released until now in terms of our understanding of the initial negotiations for some of the arms that have already been provided, as well as the White House uh, uh, release a few weeks ago about the upcoming summit. There's, there's efforts underway to follow these, uh, these actions. I can't get any more details than that. You know, but certainly, too, for both of these countries to maximize the political and diplomatic benefits of this interaction, there's going to have to be more, more of a public dimension to this going forward. Otherwise, this just ends up as a one-off, highly symbolic with some uh, 
darkroom missile deals, uh, weapons deals that could have taken place in the background anyway. So it's almost a secondary importance at this point to a kind of the strategic message that these two sides are trying to send. As you know, Sydney, there's been this has been a record a year of record nuclear provocations from North Korea. Take us inside Kim's head. Do you think he'll walk away from this lavish trip to Russia even more emboldened? Well, that is absolutely the biggest concern that I think we have to face here, whether it's merely because Russia provides some some technologies maybe to to service some aging Soviet era uh, fighter aircraft or to provide some type of assistance to help Kim have a successful satellite launch. Whatever Russia does for, for North Korea can actually further embolden both Kim in terms of the capabilities that he will now have, as well as the behavior that he would might maybe seek to emulate in terms of uh, Vladimir Putin using military force to achieve strategic objectives, willing to run against the international community, ignore international norms and standards. And, and that type of behavior, if it, Kim believes he now has a flashing yellow light, that could be potentially destabilizing and dangerous on the peninsula. Certainly could be. If North Korea were to provide weapons to Russia for its war in Ukraine, do you think that could pave the way for China to covertly do the same thing? I think I don't know that China's calculation would ne necessarily be impacted so much by this de uh, deal. I think China's got its own calculation in terms of what it's willing to do, how, how far it's willing to associate itself with Vladimir Putin's actions, how much assistance China is willing to give to Russia. Uh, you know, there's a reputational risk for China should it uh, appear too uh, closely aligned with with Russia's efforts in Ukraine, and I don't know that uh, that a North Korea support for for uh, Vladimir Putin is going to convince China one way or the other.